Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, but more importantly, the great president of the United States, Donald Trump. How are you, sir? Hello, Mark. Thank you. How do you feel? I feel great. Really good. Really good. Thank you. You know, on your worst day, you have more energy than Joe Biden. Have you noticed that? Well, he doesn't have much. I will say that. He doesn't have what it takes, but people know that. Hopefully that will make a big difference on November 3rd and before. Let's get into some of these issues, Mr. President. I don't think, despite the fact that you keep raising it, I don't think people are really paying attention to Joe Biden's plans on the American suburbs out there. You know what he's planning to do because you put an end to it, right? Destroy the suburbs and put low-income housing there. That's going to bring a lot of crime. Uh, The suburbs is going to be the next target of the radical left. You know that. You know that better than anybody, I think. But uh, they're going to the suburbs are going to be the target. They talk about the suburban women, uh, the suburban women. Hopefully uh, they're going to be voting for Trump because they're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, because he's he's picked up the Obama plan, right. which they tried in about 40 or 50 counties. It was a disaster. And in addition to this housing, uh, they want to control local zoning. So there's no right. single family homes. They want to control where you can put libraries, where you can put transportation. They want to nationalize zoning. And and the media, the media seem to cover this up like so many other issues, don't they? They don't talk about it. It's a tremendous uh, problem. It's uh, something they just don't talk about. Well, they don't talk about the fact that he says no fracking, no fracking. And then he gets a nomination through luck because Elizabeth Warren didn't give Bernie the chance to do it. You know, I mean, in all fairness to Bernie, he had it made. And then Super Tuesday, Elizabeth Warren stayed in, got a few votes, and Bernie would have won every single state. And at least Bernie has some energy behind him, you know, whether you like him or not. Obviously, Bernie was a disaster. But 
whether you like him or not, he had energy. But Elizabeth Warren, uh, it's the second time this happened to Bernie. But uh, you're right, the, the suburbs are in deep trouble because of this. And it's a plan to destroy the suburbs. And it's, you know, Cory Booker is the one that's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's the architect of anything. He was so bad when he ran for president. But And so was Kamala, by the way, so bad when she ran for president. And nobody was meaner to Joe Biden than Kamala. But uh, that's what we have. But the suburbs, we're going to keep the suburbs strong. The American dream. You know, it's it's very strange, this campaign, because you want to get out, you want to meet the people, you want to go into these states, talk to the people. You spend a lot of time at these events, uh, often two hours, sometimes two and a half hours, talking about what you want to do. You're very entertaining. You connect with the public. Joe Biden pretty much has decided that he's going to stay in the House. Here's my question to you. It's the most bizarre campaign because you're the only one they report about. Joe Biden staying in the House. Yeah. Do the scientists tell you, Mr. President, that you need to stay in the basement of the White House? They just tell you to distance and wear masks and wash your hands and that sort of stuff. What Joe Biden's doing is not compelled by the science or the virus, is it? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, I could stay in the White House and just, you know, upstairs, not even go down to the Oval Office and everything would be fine. But you can't run a country like that. You have to meet people. You have to talk to people. You have to see what's going on. You have to look them in the eye. And, you know, you expose yourself when you do that kind of thing, I, I go out to the rallies. I do rallies, big rallies, and it's. I think we have tremendous enthusiasm. By the way, I think we have enthusiasm like even greater than we had four years ago, Mark. I think you mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't show them often, but we're getting very good polls. Four up in Arizona, four up in Florida. We're getting very good polls. A lot of them came out today. People are appreciating what we're doing. And they know that Joe Biden is not equipped to be president mentally. He never was. But now it's a whole different ballgame. Not because he's 78 or whatever the age is, because I know a lot of people that are a lot older than him and they're 100%. But he's not 100% and he's not 75% either. And I can tell you that Putin and President Xi and Kim Jong-un and all these people that you're dealing with, they are 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, Something very strange here also, which is Joe Biden's been around almost half a century in Washington, D.C. He has these cozy relationships with these reporters, with these medias, because he's lived in the same swamp as all the rest of them. I listen to him say things like, if I'm elected president, this is what we're going to do with health care. If I'm elected president, this is what we're going to do. Thinking to myself, hey, man, you've been around 47 years. You haven't done a damn thing. Do you notice this, too? What has he done? I can't really think of anything significant. Well, he's caused problems, but but I will say this, I've and I've said it for a long time, 47 years, and he's got very little to show for it, except negative things. I mean, if you look, his, the Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense said that he's never made a good foreign policy decision ever once. Very nasty thing to say, but, you know, a nasty group of people. But, uh, no, Joe, Joe is not, and he's, he's not this is not his uh, prime time right now. Let's not get ourselves when you look at him. And yet, maybe it won't matter that much. You know, you have the media is bought and paid for. You take a look at what's going on with the media. It's corrupt. They give him the questions and give him the answers. And, I mean, where did you even, who would even think this could possibly happen? Where they ask him a question and he reads it off, he reads the answer off a teleprompter. Mm-hmm. I mean... 
Is that even possible? I've I've had I've taken thousands of questions. Nobody's ever given me the questions and and given me the answers. And then let me who ever heard of a news conference where you have a teleprompter and you're reading the teleprompter when you answer a question? Because mm -hmm. that means, Mark, that they gave you the question. I, mm -hmm. I can't even believe it, to be honest with you. But I watched that thing the other night, that NBC News deal. That was like for uh, a young person, that news conference. That was like for a 12-year-old mm -hmm. child, mm -hmm. the way they treated him. That wasn't for an adult. And they're getting excoriated, even by people on their side, the Lester Holt news conference. They never gave me a news conference like that. No, and they never will. No. Mr. President, there's, there's an effort to paint you as somebody you're not. The, the Biden and the Democrats and the media, they want to run against somebody you're not. Segregationist, the white supremacist, all these awful, awful things. And yet, they never asked Biden about his record, his record working with segregationists, his work record against integration, his record of saying the most god-awful things about he doesn't want his kids to be in a cultural jungle, and, and on and on and on and on. On the other hand, uh, when it comes to the African-American community, the Hispanic community, other communities, you have tried to make specific policy decisions that would create wealth and opportunity in these, uh, in these communities as well. And so... Right. You never really get a fair opportunity to compare your record on race and his record on race. No, I don't. And it's a shame. I'm not sure that a Republican does, actually, if you think about it. It's not just me, but it's me, I think, more so because I've done more for the black community than anybody since Abraham Lincoln. I really have. I mean, no matter how you cut it, criminal justice reform, prison reform, historically black colleges and universities got them funded long term which Obama never did. Obama never did criminal justice reform. They couldn't believe that I got it done, actually. They couldn't believe it, but I got it done. And Opportunity Zones with Tim Scott, who's a great guy from South Carolina, as you know, the, the uh, senator from South Carolina, Tim Scott. And we did all these things, and we had the best job numbers in the history of our country for, I mean, honestly, for everybody, but for the black community, we had the best job numbers in history, most people working, best home ownership, everything. Every statistic was the best. Then we got hit by the plague from China, and it set it back somewhat. But still, people recognize it's not my fault. That's, uh, and we're coming out of it very strong because the foundations were so good, Mark. We're coming out of it very, very strong. You see the numbers. They're coming out great. In fact, we're almost ready to hit a brand-new stock market high in the middle of a pandemic, and I say rounding the corner of the pandemic. But it's been, uh, it's been pretty amazing. It's been, it's been incredible. And I think we're going to do very, very well with Hispanic. I think we're going to do very well with the black community. I think we're going to do very well with, uh, I think we're going to do very well with everybody. I can tell you, we had tremendous enthusiasm four years ago. It's much more now. You look at these boats. I mean, thousands of boats on rivers and oceans. And I mean, every weekend and, and tractors now and trucks. They had thousands of trucks the other day in Iowa. Thousands and thousands of trucks. Um, nobody's ever seen that. It's, it's organic. It just forms. We're not doing it. It's been an amazing period of time, actually. And I think, I think you're going to see that. I, they want to vote. You know, our voters want to vote. They don't want to. They don't want to send in those phony ballots, which are turning out to be a disaster. I don't know if you saw it today. Today in Ohio, fifty thousand ballots were 
wrong, fraudulent, 50,000. You know, you're talking about that would be a good win. And 50,000 ballots in Ohio. It's uh, it's incredible what's going on, Mark. Actually incredible. Let me let me ask you a few more questions. And let's talk about this virus. Think about all the things you've done, all the time you spent on it, the team you put together, the experts, the pharmacies, the Defense Production Act, uh, Fauci, Burks, on and on and on and on. And the Democrats are sitting in the basement and shooting spitballs and blaming you for over 200,000 deaths when you had nothing to do with what happened in the nursing homes and so forth. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's a shame. And and I think it's now starting when you look at the vaccines that we're coming out with. We're coming out with incredible medicines and vaccines, Regeneron. When you look at what's happening, I think people are starting to see what a good job we've done. You know, the the ventilators, nobody could have done what we've done with it. It's the biggest, probably the biggest thing that's happened since in terms of mobilization since World War II, they say, generators. And we're making them for right now all over the world. And, you know, our job is to stock and to help the governors, the 50 governors, some of whom have done a great job, some of whom have done a terrible job. But uh, we did that. We got them what they needed. They, they, their cupboards were bare. They should have been full. But when I took over, we were bare from Obama and Biden. By the way, Biden did one of the worst jobs ever with the H1N1 swine flu. Did a terrible job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then he, all they do is they sit back and they criticize. But we've done a fantastic job. And you're going to see it now with the medicines and with the vaccines because we're so far ahead. This would have taken somebody else years to come through. And and we're doing it, I mean, literally in a matter of months we were able to do things that were, that have been amazing. You know, Mr. President, you're running in part on defending the Constitution, defending the Supreme Court, defending the institution of the Senate, defending the the voting process, including the Electoral College. Joe Biden doesn't even have the guts to say what he would do with the Supreme Court and what he right. would do with the filibuster. What are the American people to make of this? Well, he's going to obviously pack the court. Nobody even thought this was possible. I guess FDR tried it. He didn't make it. But... Uh, they're going to uh, end the filibuster. They're going to do use their nuclear, as the expression used, the nuclear option. Of course, Harry Reid did that, and that's why I'm going to end up with 300 judges by the end of my first term, which is shocking. That's a record. And three Supreme Court judges. But uh, Harry Reid, what he did was, you know, I always say thank you, Harry Reid. But uh, they're going to do that. It's not Biden so much. It's, you know, the the, the radical left. And they're going to pack the Supreme Court. I don't even know how many judges you're talking about. It could be much more than the 16. Uh, They're going to add new states so that they'll end up in, uh, you know, picking up two senators from every state they add. They can add more than two, by the way. You know, they talk two, but they can add much more. And they're going to really stack the system. And that's why this is the most important election we've ever had, Mark, without question. Yeah, no, I I agree completely because – what the Democrat Party wants to do is take over the government and take over the Constitution so there's never competition to defeat them, just like California. And They're going to have a hard the- time beating us, Mark. They're going to have a hard time beating us. It, again, uh, I don't know if you heard me before we got cut off, but, but the fact is that we have tremendous enthusiasm on this side, tremendous, mm-hmm. far more than we had then and the real polls are showing we're leading all over the place. The real polls, not the fake polls put out by the newspapers, put out by the media. 
Come even look at these polls. No, I tell everybody out there, come if you agree with me. You need to bring five or ten people to the poll. You need to be Paul Revere. You need to make sure that you don't yeah. just vote, but that you're in charge of five or ten people. You agree with that? I do, because they cheat. And you look at what's going on with the ballots. Today, I don't know if you saw in Ohio, great state. We're leading by a lot in Ohio. But uh, 50,000 ballots. 50,000. You know what that is? I mean, you could win by 50,000. That's a lot. 50,000 ballots were something happened, manipulated, let's call it. 50,000. They're finding ballots in garbage cans with the Trump name on it. Military ballots. They find ballots. They found a whole blank of ballots in a river, in a stream, in a very good state. But uh, it's uh, it's disgraceful. And then you look at some of the races recently. Even look at the uh, Iowa race in the primary, the Democrat primary. Who won that race? They still don't know. <laughs> and that's small time compared to what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about a nation. Uh, no, it's a very it's it's uh, it's a very serious threat. We're watching it very closely, and the good news is we're winning a lot of cases. We're winning. We just won a big one today. We're winning a lot of cases. How about where they want to have the val- ballots in by a certain time, and then they don't have to count them until two weeks after the election's over? Crazy. So that means that means so the whole country is going to have to wait for one state to let us know who won the election, right? It's uh, but we're winning those cases. We just won one today. And um, just because you want to nominate somebody to the Supreme Court and did, which is your constitutional duty, and the Senate, which is Republican, chooses to vote on it, do you know there's never been a president in American history, not one, who hasn't done exactly what you did? Sure. And they turn it around and make it like you're doing something exceptional. Oh, it's unbelievable. No, think of it. I'm elected to be president. In fact, Justice Ginsburg, years ago, when she was in sort of the same position but opposite party, she said, no, the president is elected for four years, not for three years. And it's as simple as that. And we have a lot of time. I mean, we should do it quickly and should be done before the election. But, you know, we have a lot of time after the election, too. But I don't want to even suggest that because I don't want to give the Republicans any ideas to slow it down. You made a lot of decisions. You're always attacked. But you made a lot of decisions. You were attacked for in the Middle East. They told you. Don't recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Don't move the embassy there. Don't recognize sovereignty over the Golan Heights. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't repeal the Iran deal. And now peace is breaking out as a result of the Trump doctrine. The Trump doctrine. You've been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. And they still attack you in the media and the Democrat Party. You got to wonder, don't you? Well, I was nominated for, I guess, three times now. And the the media doesn't even mention that when obama got nominated it was the biggest i remember it took over the world and nobody knew what he did including him he had no idea what he did to get nominated it was at the beginning and should have never been nominated but but we're going to have peace in the middle east without blood all over the sand and i did it the opposite way and you have to see i have countries lined up that want to get into the deal now they want to get into the deal and it's a great thing to see and it's not only it's not costing us anything. I just did it the reverse of what these people did. And then they, they used to criticize me. Now they're all saying, well, this is really surprising. Remember, Kerry got up and said it will never happen, doing it the way I'm doing it. It will never happen. He, he had no clue. He gave $150 billion to Iran 
and $1.8 billion in cash, and he never left the table, never left, never stood up in indignation because they ripped us off so badly. But now Iran, I'll tell you what, if, if I win, if and when, hopefully when, but if I win, they'll come to the table and they'll agree to everything. Because if you look at terror right now, they're not, you know, Iran is doing very, very poorly because of sanctions that I put on. And they don't want to, they don't have the money to give to the terrorist organizations. Now, I say that very mildly because, you know, it's easy to create problems. But look at what's happened over the last two years. Look at what's happened with North Korea. We were supposed to be at a war with North Korea immediately after I took office. Obama expected to be. What's happened? Nothing. Uh-huh. Sanctions are on. The relationship's fine. No war. And that's a nuclear war where millions of people would be killed. Millions. Nothing's happened. I have a good relationship. It's, uh, it's crazy. You know, today, if you have a good relationship with another country, people say, oh, isn't that terrible? No. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. At the same time, I built a military. We have the best equipment with the envy of the world. Russia, China, they all would love to have the stuff we have. We have the greatest equipment ever built, ever in history. Ever in history. Hopefully, we don't have to use it. Quick question. Energy independent. This country's been trying to be energy independent for half a century. You've put in policies in place with fracking and so forth. Fuel prices are very, very low. You slash taxes, and you were focused on the middle class, working people more than anybody else. Joe Biden says he's going to reverse all this. So what happens when he reverses all this? Everything goes in the opposite direction, right? Well, you'll get rid of your cars, you'll get rid of your television sets, you'll get rid of your air conditioners, you'll have rolling blackouts or brownouts, if you're lucky, brownouts. You'll get rid of everything. And, you know, we have the greatest, right now we're energy independent. We don't have to be in the Middle East except we'll protect Israel, we'll protect some of the people that we protect. But we don't have to be in the Middle East anymore. We don't need their oil. We have more oil than they do. We're energy independent now for the first time. And you're right, look at the gasoline prices at $2. Unless nobody thought that was possible. That's like a tax cut. But I gave the biggest tax cut in history. He wants to end it. That means that every family is going to have to pay two, three, four thousand dollars a year more. If you include energy in that, that means that every family will have to pay three, four, five thousand dollars a year more. If you include energy, because you won't have you won't be able to buy two dollar fuel anymore for your car. I mean, there's no more $2. You could forget about that. We have this thing rolling so well. And it was perfect until China came along with the plague. But now it's getting great again. Really great. It's going to be, we're going to have one of the best years we've ever had next year. And, but he wants to raise everybody's taxes. You know, it's amazing, Mark, because nobody ever talks about it, but he's, against the Second Amendment. It's not even him. It's his people. They're never going to allow it. The Second Amendment's going to be obliterated, totally obliterated, and so many other things. When he talks, when he gets elected on the basis there will be no fracking, and the following day after they get elected, they change it, saying there will be fracking, he says it very mm-hmm. modestly, because they'll never allow it to happen. They'll never allow fracking to happen. That means you lose Pennsylvania, you lose tech, you lose everything. But but if I did that, could you imagine if, if I ran on the basis of no fracking, then all of a sudden one day you say, all right, fracking. They don't even question him on this stuff. They don't even question him. 
because the press is very corrupt in our country. It's extremely corrupt. You know, you, you raise a very important point, and I'm, I'm, I want to circle back briefly on the Supreme Court, the Senate, the filibuster, the, the Electoral College, and so forth. How do you remain silent on things when you're going to put your hand on the Bible and swear to uphold the Constitution of the United States, and you won't tell the American people where you stand? We know where you stand. You're against all this stuff. And, and yet... And yet he gets away with it. I'm going to tell you something, Mr. B- Mr. Uh, President. Look, this, uh, this commission on the presidential debates, right. they hire moderators that are extremely hostile to you. And, and so I looked at this. The co-chair gave $9,000 to the Democrats. Another co-chair gave $5,000 to a Democrat. Jane Harmons, on the board of director, old Democrat, she gave 30000 to the Democrats. You got another guy, another Democrat, who said about you, there's a great deal of fear and a great deal of anxiety in the country about you. You got another one on their board that says, you're disqualified, you should be disqualified as commander-in-chief. Then you have another guy who says, you're ill-equipped to be president. He's a former Obama flunky. Then you have Olympia Snow, who's sort of a left-wing Democrat, and she says, you're hurting our brand. How in the hell can they set up a commission like this? which is supposed to be objective and impartial. Clearly it's not. And then you're required to comply. They don't even contact your campaign to discuss what they want to do. Well, I know all about that. And if you look at it, uh, if you remember last time against Crooked Hillary, I had a debate where they oscillated my mic and they were forced to apologize legally. They were forced to apologize. They would turn my mic down, up and down, whenever I'd look at her. And we caught them. And they actually apologize. I don't know if you remember it, but it's an important factor. Uh, no, it's, it's a Clinton-Obama group of people. And, you know, you have the one guy, the chairman, who's, a, who's basically a never-Trumper. But now you put on Chris Wallace. He was terrible the other night. I thought Chris Wallace was a disgrace the other night because we had, we had Biden. He was on the run when I had talked to him about the Russian, why did you get $3.5 million from the head of— Russia from Moscow's, you know, the mayor of Moscow's wife. Mm-hmm. He was totally on the run. And then what about the billion dollars? You're not going to do it unless you get rid of the prosecutor. And Chris Wallace kept interjecting, saying, you can't say that. You can't do this. Chris Wallace was terrible the other night. He will never be Mike. That's the only thing I can say about Chris. He'll never be Mike. And I say it all the time. But he was bad. And now they have a never-Trumper. I didn't know too much about this guy from C-SPAN. But it turns out that he's a never-Trumper. So I don't care about that because I've had Martha Raddatz. I've had them all. And I've always won the debates. I think we won the debate the other night. But, you know, he kept saying false things, lying about soldiers and graves, lying, a made-up story. They made up the story. You know, they'll make up a story and put it out like it's real. So Mm -hmm. if you don't interrupt, I mean, then people assume it's – you have to sort of stick up for yourself. But uh, they are a bad group of people. And this debate commission, you know, it sounds so good, the Presidential Commission on Debates. It sounds so wonderful. No, it's, in my opinion, it's a crooked deal. But you look at the guy they're giving me for the next debate, he's a never-Trumper. Mm-hmm. Steve you Scully. Know. Mr. Hey, President. Like nice uh, I always seemed nice to me. I didn't know he was a never-Trumper. Yeah. I don't know him. I don't know if I ever met him. But he's a uh, C-SPAN guy. But he's mm-hmm. a never-Trumper. And you can't put a never-Trumper on 
Chris Wallace is essentially an anti-Trump guy, but Fox is a whole different ballgame. Somebody told me that uh, they were asking me about the difference between this and four years ago. One of the biggest differences in Fox is Fox is a whole different ballgame than it used to be. It, it, mm -hmm. Fox was great. Fox was great. Fox is no longer great. It's, uh, I don't know, something happened very sad. Oh, gee, I'm going to get a few calls about that, but you've got to be able to speak right. your mind. Um, uh, I, I say it on Fox. I don't care. What, yeah. what difference does it make at this point? Uh, but Fox is a whole different ballgame. And, you know, they have Paul Ryan on the board, and that was a big difference. I think that was a big difference. Paul Ryan, once they put Paul Ryan on the board, I mean, Nancy Pelosi issues a subpoena a day with Paul Ryan. When they had the majority, he wouldn't issue a subpoena. She gives them out like cookies with Paul Ryan. It was can, can I ask you about Nancy Pelosi? She's out yes. there. I don't think she has it together. I'm just being perfectly honest with you. She's talking about I the agree. 25th Amendment. They don't even know what the 20th. Use it on her. Yeah. 25th <laughs> yeah. Amendment. Use it on her. Well, there needs to be something when you have the number two in line for the presidency, who appears to me to be quite unhinged, and she is obsessed. She is so filled with hate yeah. with you. Uh, and this 25th Amendment thing is just another ruse, just like the impeachment thing was another ruse. Mr. Mr. President, here's my question to you. She seems to be saying if you don't give hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars to these blue states to bail them out, to bail out their pensions, these mayors who don't take action against the rioters and bail them out, then the airlines can drop dead. The people on unemployment can drop dead. The small businesses can drop dead. Is she holding a gun to the head of the country? I don't think so, because I have to be honest with you. I want to give stimulus money. I believe in stimulus. I do. It wasn't the people's fault, and I want to give stimulus, even if it helps some of the states. And they're, they're badly run blue states, Democrat states. But, but I actually, you know, I'll give you a little difference. I want to give stimulus because, you know, it's a good thing and not a bad thing. And we get the money back anyway in one form or another. But you don't want to bail out these but, pension funds. No, but I think, no, it depends on, you know, which one you're talking about, why they were hurt, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm okay with stimulus. I, I'm on the side of stimulus all the way. But I will tell you this, on the 25th Amendment, I think they want to use it for Biden. That's why they're doing it. They want to put it in for Biden. Now, that's interesting. And, and I think they want to use it so that Kamala can take over for Biden, because Biden's not there. Everybody knows that. He's he's at, he's batting at 50 percent if he's lucky. And I think they want to use it for putting Kamala, who's a dream for them, even though she did very, very poorly. But she's a dream for them. She's their dream candidate because she's radical left like she's not even socialist. She's beyond socialist. I won't use the word, but she is far beyond socialist. And what they're doing is I and, and I've been told this by good, pretty good sources. They like you know, this amendment or commission for the 25th Amendment so that if he gets in, they can switch and they'll flip over like you so fast, you have no idea. Well, we went over, but I want to thank you, Mr. President, uh, for all your time. Sorry for the technical bug there, but uh, we muscled through it. And uh, our best to the First Lady. How's she feeling? She's doing good. She's doing good. She had it, but she's uh, strong, young, in good shape. <laughs> she had... Uh, she can bull through it. It's uh, it's an amazing thing, but it's incredible with what they've developed uh, over the last few months. What what we've been able to develop, these scientists and doctors are brilliant, and you'll be seeing that very soon. All right, sir. God bless, and thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mark. All right. Be well.
President of the United States. Um, so I'll be curious to know what you think, folks. The President of the United States sounded great to me. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to hear the, uh, the time the President spent with my buddy Rush because I was on an airplane, but I understand it was absolutely superb. And I think what the president's doing is very, very wise. He's going on the biggest radio shows that are out there. He's going on the biggest TV shows that are out there while he, uh, while he can't uh, go to these rallies and so forth. And uh, very, very wise, politically and otherwise, because he can get his message out without people barking at him, without people spinning what he's saying, without people attacking him, without, without all the drama. And you'll notice he can talk for an hour or two hours, and he can talk very easily about these issues that he's dealing with. Joe Biden does not make himself available for this kind of a conversation. Forget about me. I understand he thinks I'm a smartass. He told me that once. But he's not capable of it, period. And he starts mumbling and fumbling and so forth and so on. This commission, this presidential commission, is like so much that is involved with the government or quasi-governmental has been uh, has been poisoned. The left always devours these institutions. They secrete themselves into these institutions. The board and the management of the Commission on Presidential Debates is far left. It's Democrat. They can point to Farrakhan, 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 who was the head of the Nevada Republican Party, and also uh, uh, had some at the RNC. But he's a uh, you know, he's a throwaway. He's just, he's a Republican who, uh, who gets along to go along. He's, he's an old lobbyist uh, for casinos, among other things. Uh, that's not the way the Democrats play ball. And then he goes on TV, he says, we want a virtual uh, debate because, uh, you know, we're concerned about our staff. I don't get this. You go into a grocery store and you see people working their butts off. You see them putting food on the shelves. You see the cashiers. You see the pharmacists. You see the assistance to the pharmacist. So much of our economy is functioning. So many of our people are functioning, but they can't put on a debate. It's like Joe Biden. This is a, this is a fraud, what Joe Biden's doing, ladies and gentlemen. He's hiding behind this virus. He's hiding behind this virus. No credible scientist, no credible expert says you have to stay in your house hour after hour after hour after hour. None. None. There's socialist excuse me, social distancing. But it doesn't say you have to hide in a hovel. And really nobody is. Unless you're so sickly and so elderly, you need to be protected. And that might be him. Now, what's interesting to me is Nancy Pelosi talks about Donald Trump. We know what Donald Trump's drugs, what drugs he was on. We have no idea what drugs Joe Biden's on. None. And nobody asks. We have no idea what drugs Nancy Pelosi is on. She's 80 years old. She's on something. What is she on? It's quite apparent. No. Nancy Pelosi's number two in line to be president, right? Why doesn't she and her big dumb husband, Paul, why don't they release their tax returns? Show us the way. They're extraordinarily wealthy, but they don't. Now she's going to create this phony commission. She's not creating anything because the Senate's not going to vote for it and the president's not going to sign it. But it's very interesting what the president said. Actually makes some sense to me. They would love to set this up. So one day they uh, kick the can down the road and the can being Joe Biden. Everything's on the table. That's what Schumer said. Everything's on the table. And I think everything is on the table. I really do. 
And that's why the president's right when he says this is the most important election, certainly in modern history. I would argue it's the most important election since 1864, when Abraham Lincoln was, they thought he was behind, until General Sherman broke through, took Atlanta, and then burned his way through Georgia to the sea. They needed a big victory, and they got a big victory, and Abraham Lincoln was reelected. This is that, that important. We are fighting for our Constitution. You heard the president. president's standing up for the Supreme Court. He's standing up for the Senate, the filibuster rule, the Electoral College. The Democrats want to attack and control our government. The reason they want to do these things is not because of the benefit of the American people, because they will be in power for 100 years. And this president is the only thing that stands between us and them. So I'm hoping all you Levinites out there, as I say over and over and over again, please don't let it go in one ear and out the other. I, I don't. Please take responsibility for getting five to ten people to the polls or making sure they vote early. It's crucially, crucially important. And if all of you listening do this, we will win in a landslide. If all of you listening will do this, we will win in a landslide. It's interesting, the president talking about certain polls when it comes to Arizona and Florida and so forth. Very, very interesting. We talk about the polls here not often, but I think they're in some ways a distraction, and I think in many ways they're, they're put out there to dispirit us. To dispirit us. And that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to rally the troops for the country. Each and every one of you is a Paul Revere. Each and every one of you is a Thomas Paine. That's how important this is. This is 1776. They think it's 1619. It's 1776, politically speaking. You should be excited. You should be motivated. You should have resolve. You should be saying to yourself and to your family, what can we do? How can we contribute? Getting people out to vote, as many as you possibly can. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. And you can make a huge difference in this election. They're not counting on you doing this. They're not counting on you doing this at all. But I am. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. presidents think about this 
connect with the people the way this president does? None. None. How many presidents make themselves available? Forget about me. Make themselves available the way this president does. None. Absolutely none. You're watching a remarkable time in American history, and you're watching the, the uh, what do they call them, the forces of darkness trying to destroy him. Trying to destroy him. We now have all the documents. I won't bore you with it. You know what they tried to do to him. They set him up with this phony Russia issue. They spied on his campaign. They set up his General Flynn. Obama was in on the whole thing. Biden knew. How could he not? Hillary Clinton and the DNC working with a, an organization that worked with a Russian spy. And then they turned the whole narrative on its head that it's Trump working with the Russians. It's Trump who sold out to Vladimir Putin. We have never had anything like... Ladies and gentlemen, this was a scandal committed against us. We, the American people. This was a coup. A coup attempt, whether the New York Times and Davy Alba get it or not. It is shocking what they did. And shocking what they did for years. They knew this whole thing was a lie. And they launched a criminal investigation hoping to force the president out of office to set him up on obstruction or perjury, having nothing to do with the lies. They lied to the FISA court. They lied to the American people over and over and over again. You had Stalinists like flunkies like Adam Schiff out there. And of course... Eva Pelosi. And now look what they try to do to this commission. Bob Dole is a man of enormous courage and integrity. A hero. And he just tweeted out a statement. It would be awfully nice if if George Bush would wake the hell up. And others. Bob Dole tweeted out a statement that no Republicans on the debate commission support Trump. I just went through the list. They're almost all Democrats, partisan Democrats. This isn't some objective organization. Board of the directors include Senator John Danforth. He's never Trumper. Olympia Snow, a never Trumper. It's just, it's, it's appalling. And Bob Dole's right to call it out. And this is why you get the kind of moderators that you get. I don't blame the president for being angry. But everything, everything is tinged with this leftism and this Democrat Party stuff. They are doing everything humanly possible to prevent him from being reelected. What are they scared of? What are they scared of? They're scared of you. And they're scared of him. Because he's bringing America and putting it back on the right track. He's putting it back on the right track. And they don't want the right track. They want to destroy the Supreme Court. They want to destroy the Senate. They want to destroy the way we elect people. They want to destroy the way we pass legislation. The Democrat Party wants complete and full control. And the media want them to have complete and full control. Jake Tapper. Jim Shudo. D. Lemon. Fredo Cuomo. Who else? Who else? All of them. Why? They're all Democrats. George Stephanopoulos. Chuck Todd. All Democrats. All leftists. 
All of them. Every damn one of them. Same at the New York Times. Same at the Washington Post. But we've never had a president that relates to the people like this. They're called commoners. They right, relates to the commoner, to the middle class, to hardworking people. We've never had a president who relates to people like this. Never. And it'll be a damn shame if we lose them. And you're going to be damn sorry if we do. Who cares about him interrupting Biden? Somebody needs to interrupt that old fool. He should be interrupted a thousand times. He's such an a-hole. Did I say that? I did. Record it and push it out. I don't call him Hitler the way they call our man Hitler. But look at the mentally unhinged Nancy Pelosi. Have you ever seen anybody in public life conduct themselves this way? She's a fruitcake. She's lost it. And look at Schumer. He's like davening. Davening with his, uh, with his left-wing agenda. As he prays to liberalism and false idols. Unbelievable. President. Connecting with the American people, looking for every way to talk to the American people. Comes on talk radio, goes on cable TV. He faces down a left-wing Democrat, hostile, kamikaze press. He confronts them. Where's Joe Biden? He can't have a president who conducts himself like Joe Biden, for God's sakes. Our grossly quirks have more guts than Joe Biden. All right, we've got a lot to talk about in the next two hours of the program. I don't take my foot off the gas pedal on Friday. I push it down on the gas pedal on Friday. And so we've got a lot of things we want to get into here. Again, we want to thank the President of the United States. He stayed way over, and, uh, and we very much appreciate him. And we appreciate him talking to you. He wants to talk to you. He wanted to do this very, very much. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I wonder if Hillary Clinton uh, hired a Russian spy to interfere with our broadcast in the first hour. But nonetheless, the president, as usual, did a fabulous job. And, and the takeaway, I hope, is, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. He is, he's lucid on every subject. He knows where he wants to take the country. He knows where he doesn't want to take the country. And uh, he's worked his butt off. And again, as I say, how many, how many presidents really make a connection with the American people? I'm not talking about the haters, the Democrats, the liberals, the media, Hollywood types, and so forth. I'm talking about with regular people. The president makes a connection with regular people. And imagine, imagine the enormity of his popularity if the media would honestly report about what he's doing and what he's saying. 
if we had a truly free press. Just imagine that. And so it's up to us. That's our general. He's on the battlefield, and he needs us. I'm using military terms, but you understand politically. You're the infantry. You're the air cover. He can't do anything without us. And just remember another thing. They want to take him out because they want to take us out. We will be stuck with a Supreme Court, a corrupt, ideological Supreme Court for the rest of time. We will be stuck with a one-party country, the way they have a one-party state in California. We will be stuck with a one-party country for the rest of time. They will be able to do anything they want to us, anything. The Constitution will mean nothing because they'll have backup from the Supreme Court. Nothing. They will rule us from the Supreme Court. They will rule us from the popular vote because they're going to change how that vote takes place. There will be nowhere to go, no escape, no, no balance, no check, nothing. The Constitution's on the ballot. If you support the Constitution, you vote Trump. You vote for your Republican senators. You vote for your Republican House members. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. This isn't the time to start making distinctions between rhino Republicans and conservative Republicans. I'm just saying it. We need the numbers. We need the numbers to get rid of Pelosi, and we need the numbers to make sure that Schumer can't take us out. Excuse me very much. That's what kind of election is. It's a straight party election. I don't like saying it. I don't even like hearing me say it, but it's reality. And that's how I intend to vote. Lindsey Graham's in trouble in South Carolina. But they don't tell you who he's running against. Of course, he's running against an African-American, but he's a radical leftist. He's a radical leftist. Now, some of you may not like Lindsey Graham. Now's not the time for this. It's just not the time for this. The Constitution's on the ballot. No ticket splitting now. In a regular election, I'd say, hell yes. Cut some of these fools loose. But the Democrats are telling us if they get a majority, you see how they go in lockstep. How they march. Kicking high, one behind the other. Goose steps, I think they call it. You see how they do it. These references to the Third Reich, of course, come from them. And what Davy Alba doesn't understand is how I take what they say and turn it against them. She is a supposed reporter for the supposed New York Slimes. We'll keep an eye on what she does. But you get my point? When everything's at stake, now's not the time to, well, you know, this one's this. No, 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 no. And by the way, these are the things they're telling us they're going to do. Imagine the things they're going to do that they're not telling us. Imagine what they're going to do where they're not revealing what they intend to do. And Joe Biden should be disqualified as a president over the simple fact that he will not defend the Constitution. The reason they want to pack the court is not because, well, the Constitution doesn't say you have to have nine. After 150-some years, that's what we've had. They want to pack the court to get around the limits in the Constitution. That's what they're doing. 
Joe Biden is not qualified to be president of the United States because he doesn't have the guts to come out and say no. Leave the Supreme Court alone. It's supposed to be independent. I don't mean independent from the country and the government. It's supposed to be independent. And under them, it won't be independent. They're going to take their politicians and they're going to put them on the Supreme Court. They're going to take their law professors, their whack job, crackpot law professors, and put them on the Supreme Court. Ted Cruz, I interviewed him, right? On Life, Liberty, and Levin last time. He's got his great book out, One Vote Away. One vote away from free speech, losing free speech. One vote away from losing our Second Amendment rights. They're going to take this Constitution and shred the hell out of it. They don't even believe in the founders. They despise them. They don't even believe in the framers. They've told us this. They've got the New York Times behind them with the 1619 Project. We now have articles showing up at the Washington Post and the New York Times where op-ed writers and reporters and professors are saying, yeah, it's about time we expand the court. It's about time we expand the court. They didn't say that three years ago, four years ago. They've never said that when the Republicans controlled all the elected parts of the government. They would have lost their minds. Oh, look, we're going to lose Roe v. Wade. We're not going to be able to keep killing people. Look, we're going to lose Obamacare, which have these massive uh, premiums and massive deductibles where you can't choose your own. Oh, my God, we might lose that. They have poisoned all of our institutions, our classrooms they've poisoned. Our universities and colleges they've poisoned. Our culture, these late-night comedians, movies, they've poisoned them. Even commercials on TV now all have an agenda. They've poisoned our sports and our athletes. They control it, directly and indirectly. But it's never enough when you're tyrannical. It's never enough when you have a totalitarian mindset. That's why this election's important. And it's not enough to say it's important. You've got to do something about it. It's Friday evening. You've got the weekend. We only have a few weekends left before the election. What are you going to do? Are you going to call people? Tell them you'll help them vote? You'll take them to the precinct? Remind them to vote? If they're on the fence, will you engage them and persuade them? This is what I do. This is what you can do. You're quite capable of this. And you should be proud of yourself in doing it. And you should be resolute. This is our country. We're not asking you to go to war. We're not asking you to put your life on the line. But the nation's life is on the line. Your children and your grandchildren and future generations... Past generations have fought wars to protect our Constitution, to protect our way of life, to protect the Supreme Court and Congress and the presidency. We now have a cancerous political party. It's been cancerous really from the beginning. The party of the Confederacy, the party of segregation, the party of Jim Crow, and now the party of Marxism, so-called social democratism, I guess. It's the same attitude. They're always anti-Americanism. They don't embrace our principles. They don't embrace the Constitution. But you do. 
You do. It's Friday evening. Just spend a few hours over the weekend. That's all. A few hours over the weekend. And persuade and cajole and help people to vote. They talk about all these precinct workers. They Who cares? I'm talking to millions of you. And if you can get millions of others, not each of you, just get a few. That'll add up to tens of millions. Don't worry about the polls. Don't worry about television. It is what it is. It is what it is. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane, but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Always a lot to do, but I want to take a couple of calls here. Ray, Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Ray, go right ahead, please. Yeah, Mark, um, I was just wanting to call you to let you know that, uh, you know, I'm an African-American, born and raised in Washington, D.C. I live right outside of Washington, D.C. right now in Sterling, Virginia. But um, just wanted you to know that I'm voting for Trump. Uh, I've never voted a day in my life. Um, Got interested in following Trump the last election. Uh, I still didn't vote at that time. I prayed, though. I prayed that he went and he won. Uh, I kind of I felt like he was going to win because I was watching the rallies and I was seeing how, you know, so many people were coming to the rallies. And I was like, there's no way this guy can lose, you know. And my coworkers, they were all against me. They thought Hillary was going to win. And uh, when he won, I came in the next day and they were just quiet as a mouse, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, just, you know, following the uh the president the thing i love about him is that he's not a politician and that i think that's really how i got interested in him uh especially when uh the hud secretary in, in, endorsed him last time mm-hmm. because i was i was liking him and ben uh, carson endorsed, yeah yes and so when he endorsed trump i was like okay what's going on here because i thought trump was in the race to divide the Republicans to get Hillary to win, but then when Ben Carson and, uh, endorsed Trump, then I started watching Trump and uh, just kind of fell in love with him because the guy is not a politician, and uh, and just seeing the game. I mean, I like I said because I was never in the politics, I could clearly see what uh, the media. Oh man, and 
you know, the mainstream media, they're pathetic, man. And, you know, I would watch the rallies, right, and and, mm-hmm. and then watch the uh, RNC. And, and then me and my wife, we look at, wow, that was really great. You know, Trump really did good. And then the media would just tear them apart. And we're like, hold up, did they watch what we just watched? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just being able to see right through all it and then... Let, let, me, let me ask you something before we lose time, sure. Ray. Sure, sure. Do you find... Being an African-American, that more African-Americans than before are really taking a look at whether the vote for him, particularly male African-Americans? Well, I, I speak for myself. I'll tell you this. My, I've been married for 28 years. Me and my wife mm. never voted before. Uh, my wife registered the other day. She's going to vote, and she's voting for Trump. My daughter told me that she wants to vote. I'm sure she's going to be voting for Trump as well. Um, I'm also a born-again Christian, so, mm-hmm. you know, I look at things from a, a, a conservative perspective. And um, what I see uh, with this man goes through each and every day, uh, and then, like I said, the mainstream media, the just, just the mm-hmm. hatred that they have for him. And, like, you made a comment a few minutes ago. You said, just imagine if they gave him some kind of support. He would be the greatest president ever in my mind, as far as mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. But you know, uh, to see you, you know, Ray, the media, the media in Washington. When you think about it, I'm from Washington. I know. What, well, the, well, but the media in Washington have been in Washington while Joe Biden's been in Washington. In other words, they're very close, very, very close. So they protect Joe. Joe's leaked to them. He's given them stories as chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Their ideology is the same. And so Joe gets a pass, even when it comes to the Constitution, Ray, where he says, you know, it doesn't even make any sense. He says, if I mention it, it's going to become a headline. Well, of course it is. Right. <laughs> right. I, I don't even yeah. know what that means. Yeah. Um, it's. And well, like so, said, so he's not going to mention it because it might become a headline. What kind of logic is that? But, but why? But why don't they come back at him and say, "Well, uh, Mr. Vice President, uh, you're running for president. You mm-hmm. you should be answering these questions. The American people want to know." No, like you said, they give him a pass, sweep it under the rug, act like he never said anything. But if that was Trump, you know what they would do. Mm-hmm. Apoplectic, going crazy, uh, everything. And I'm gonna tell you something else. And I don't care what nobody says. Mm-hmm. This is just me, and because I see the game. That thing that happened in Michigan yesterday, um, mm-hmm. the timing, the the, the the timing is sketchy to me. That's all I have to say. Oh, really? It's very yeah. You know how they do, Mark. Come on now. You know. I, how I know. I know. I know. But it was. It was. Trump's Justice Department, the one after these people. No, Russia collusion ended. What came up? Pandemic. Mm-hmm. Soon as it ended, pandemic came up. Now, and I'm not saying that it's fake, but for them. But to but throw, you're saying they use this stuff against him over and over and over again. Yeah, exactly. All right, Ray. God bless you, man. It's a pleasure to hear from you. The reason the governor of Michigan is so detestable, and you want to feel sorry for the woman. Uh, because of the allegations that have been brought. But the reason she's so detestable, even with allegations like this, even the seriousness 
of what these men were trying to do and the charges that have been brought against them, yes, by the Trump Justice Department. She uses the occasion to try and smear the president as a racist as the reason this has taken place. So I guess Bernie Sanders is responsible for the shooting of Scalise and we could go on and on. It's just disgusting. This is a talk show. And I, I probably don't take as many callers as I should. I think I will tonight, even though I'm loaded here. I don't mean drunk. I don't drink. I mean loaded here with issues. But we have some damn good people waiting to get on. So we'll balance it. We'll do both. And I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. As I speak, we are posting a Mark Levin Show parlor, Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Facebook, my interview with the president in the prior hour. Now, all you Paul Revere's and all you Thomas Paine's, I'd like you to take that and circulate it to everybody you know. Not because of me, I don't get any brownie points out of this, but because I thought the president was fantastic. So I want to strongly encourage you, go to my social sites, or you can go to marklevinshow.com, any four of those, those platforms. And, uh, and please circulate it to family, friends, and coworkers, and, and people who might be on the fence. The president was outstanding. And this is what I'm talking about. We've got to do what we've got to do. So if we can... If we can increase our reach, thanks to you, not me, you can do this. If we can increase our reach beyond this audience, beyond this show, into the culture, into the society, thanks to you, you will make a huge difference. Because the president, in in my interview, it's unvarnished. There's no static in terms of people interrupting. He gets to speak on the issues that I raise with him. And that's, that's how I do interviews. So, again, I want to encourage you to go to Mark Levin Show Parlor, Mark Levin Show Twitter. If you haven't signed up there, please sign up. Follow me. Be a friend of mine. Uh, go to Mark Levin Show Facebook or go to MarkLevinShow.com. It's there. Take the interview. We did this in warp speed, as the president would say. And please distribute it to as many people as you know on your list Just push it out as fast as you possibly can. Also, tomorrow night, there'll be a rerun 
and a rebroadcast of my interview of the president at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. And the president had, was terrific. So again, if you can't watch it live, you can DVR it. But it's the interview I had on September 17th with the president of the United States before he had the coronavirus. Again, he gets to speak. He speaks on a whole bunch of issues. You see, the media want to paint him as a bully, as somebody who is uh, it's not a class act. He interrupts Joe Biden. Baloney. He's defending himself. And so now there, here's two opportunities. First, again, the interview I just had with the President of the United States. It's on the social sites. And then Saturday night, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, you can watch the President, the full hour, the interview we did with him uh, on September 17th. By the way, Sunday is a great life, liberty, and live in. One of the greatest governors in the country. A lot of people think he's the best. Governor DeSantis of Florida, he'll be on the program. And he's going to talk about the election, how it looks in Florida. He's going to talk about the president's response for Florida and the coronavirus and other states because he was there. He's going to talk about what he's doing to limit and prevent, actually, rioting in major cities in Florida. And we forget, Florida's the third most populous, populous nation, uh, state in the nation. Not even close. And it's clearly one of the most diverse states. It's also one of the best-run states. And DeSantis is hated, too. He's under attack all the time. You know, you see the disaster that Cuomo is and Murphy, Whitmer, Newsom, Pritzker, Rudolph, you know, all of them. But then you see how, <clears throat> how Florida has been run. And that's why people are depopulating these blue states and going to these successful red states. The problem is they're going to these red states, red congressional districts, voting Democrat. What are they, nuts? Answer, yes. All right, so Levinites, we've got, we've got a big test tonight. Get that link. I've put it on all my platforms. Push it out to family and friends and coworkers and people you're just thinking about, you're not sure of. And then tell them to vote. Okay? I don't, again, I don't get any hits or points or money. I, I'm the most activist talk radio host there is, and I'm happy to be so. So let's go. Now, I cannot stress this enough about our Constitution, about our Supreme Court, about our Senate. They don't belong to the Democrats. They don't belong to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They don't belong to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And yet here is Biden. Again, cut one, go. They'll know my opinion of court packing when the election is over. Now, look, I know it's a great question, y'all, and I don't blame you for asking but you know, the moment I answer that question, the headline in every one of your papers will be about that. Other than, other than focusing on what's happening now. The election has begun. There's never been a court appointment once an election has begun. What, four million or so people have already voted. They're denying the American people the one shot they have under constitutional law to be able to have their input. If they're not the president, he gets to pick it. Uh, let, let's break this down to show you how absurd this, this entire response is. We've never had the nomination or appointment of a justice, he says, during an election. We've never had elections this early, ladies and gentlemen. We've had elections on election day. In fact, it used to be called election day. And we used to count the returns on election day and have an answer on election night. So the Democrats have changed that. 
In some states, you can vote two months before the election. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Two months. Two months. And so the president of the United States is supposed to sit still because some state decides on early voting, and then Joe Biden clings to this to say that this president, we've never never had somebody appointed to the Supreme Court under these circumstances. That's number one. Number two, what do headlines have to do with anything? It's a simple question. You want to be president of the United States. Your first duty is going to be putting your hand on a Bible, raising your right hand, and taking an oath to uphold the Constitution. We want to know if you're going to uphold the Constitution. Separation of powers. Checks and balances. We want to know. Why is that so complicated? Because he's going to attack our Constitution. They're going to do forever damage to the Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't stand up now, it won't matter what happens the day after. Joe Biden is spinning. He says, I know it's a great question for you all, and I don't blame you for asking it. But, you know, the moment I answer the question, the headline in every one of your papers will be about that. Well, of course it will. Unless you say, of course I'm not going to mess around with the independence of the Supreme Court. Then nobody would care. The headline would be, Joe Biden wants to destroy the Supreme Court by packing it. He's a coward. And hence, he's lying to you by not revealing it. This is our Constitution I'm talking about. Kamala Harris with KPNX Phoenix yesterday. KPNX Phoenix yesterday. Arizona, other battleground states, I hope you're listening. I hope you're listening in Pennsylvania, in North Carolina, in Florida. In Ohio, I hope you're listening in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Michigan, New Hampshire, Nevada, all these states. I hope you're listening because I thought we could all agree that one party should not control our government for 100 years, that one party shouldn't be able to take control over any branch of our government, including and especially the Supreme Court. Kamala Harris with KPNX Phoenix yesterday. Cut to go. Why should voters have to wait until November 4th to find out how the vice president and yourself feel about that? What you think about doing that? Well, Joe Biden has been very clear, and I agree with him, which is that we have an election that's now 26 days away. Here in Arizona, people are starting to vote. Uh, People around our country, over 4 million people have already voted. So this is not even an election year or an election season. We are literally in the midst of an election. And the majority of Americans agree with Joe and I, which is that let's fill that seat in the White House and then we can fill that seat in the Supreme Court. First of all, it's Joe and me. Just just, just pointing out. But that's, that's neither here nor there. She didn't answer the question. Yes, people are voting now. It's called an election. We understand that, Kamala. We really do. We understand that, Joe. We really do. We're asking you where you stand on the Constitution. We're asking you where you stand on separation of powers. We're asking you if you want to put all these radicals on the Supreme Court and control the Supreme Court forevermore. We're asking you, and you won't answer. This is a simple question. 
It's like taking an oath of office to uphold the Constitution. They take an oath to uphold the Constitution. They will not tell us. This is the biggest scam in electoral history. It's the biggest scam in electoral history. Meanwhile, she's a liar. Alexander Burns, New York Times reporter of all things, on a podcast yesterday. Hat tip Daily Wire. Cut three. Go. Senator Harris uh, told me in an interview, actually, that she was absolutely open to doing that. Mm. But we've not heard her reiterate that recently. So I think for them, there is this balancing act of they don't want to alienate moderate voters. They also don't want to send a demoralizing signal to their own party. She's lying. And here's what he said. Excuse me. Here's what she said to The New York Times last year. Cut for a go. Are you open to expanding the size of the Supreme Court? I am open to that discussion. Yes. She's open to it. And she's committed to it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is more than a policy issue. This is more than a tax issue. This is more than an issue about deductibles and all the rest. This is an issue about the structure of our government and the effect on our society. And I would ask you Democrats this. If your party does this, and they add, say, six seats to the Supreme Court, that's 15. If the Republicans ever are able to claw their way back into power, what do you think they're going to do? You just open the door wide for them to add seats to the Supreme Court. Harry Reid already screwed up when he was playing games with the court. And the filibuster, he took both sides of the same issue. But then in the end, when they were in the majority, he decided that he'd be able to push through judges without a filibuster. Now the Republicans do it. The Democrats pave that road. There will be payback. There's always payback in politics. But there shouldn't be payback here. There shouldn't be a game here. There shouldn't be the first act here. Three-quarters of the nation opposes packing the Supreme Court. They like to mention numbers and polls. 72% said no. But a vast majority of the Democrat base says yes. And they need the Democrat base to get elected. And they need you to get elected. And so they won't act until after they're elected. They are lying to you. They are deceiving to you on one of the biggest issues of our generation. Will the Supreme Court remain independent or not? We can have our arguments about who should be confirmed. We can have our arguments over what the Supreme Court has done and what to do about it. I wrote an entire book on it. But one of the things I never said is pack the court. Pack the court. That's what they're going to do. Despite the fact that 72% of Americans, and that would include a lot of independents and Democrats, have said no. And isn't it amazing that the Lincoln Project and the Never Trumpers and the Rhinos keep their mouths shut? Where's George Bush? Where's John Kasich? Where's Tom Ridge? Where's Whitman from New Jersey? Where are all these people? Do they not care about the Constitution? Shouldn't they be speaking out about it? And they're not. They're not. And they're letting their country down. Where's Colin Powell? They're letting their country down. 
Where's Mattis? Where's Kelly? Nowhere. I'll be right back. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane, but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I'm just telling you, we are very fortunate at this time in our history to have this president. Can you imagine one of these others? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude, but a Bush or a McCain or a Ridge or a Kasich as president of the United States dealing with this. Can you imagine? They'd be overwhelmed. They'd be, they'd be railroaded. Of course, it'd be less divisive, but the president fights back. He's, he's fighting these people. He's not fighting it because he enjoys a good fight. He's not fighting because he's getting anything out of it. He's fighting because he knows that we're right. And they've tried everything to destroy him. Destroy his reputation and his character. Destroy his presidency. Indict him. Indict family members. I mean, think about this. This is as fascistic as it gets. We're so lucky he's decided to run for re-election. Now it's on our shoulders. It's our responsibility, ladies and gentlemen. It truly is. Oh, I know some hosts, TV and radio, they sit there and they split hairs and they want you to think how smart they are. They position themselves. They push narratives just in case the president loses. They want nice write-ups in the Washington Post and the New York Times that they weren't all in. Well, I'm all in. Because this is a battle between liberty and tyranny. This is a battle between our Constitution and totalitarianism. If the Democrats get their way, you're damn right. And I'm quite serious about it. I'm all in. We have some great callers waiting, but I've got some other stuff I want to discuss, too. So we'll do both. We'll kind of have a little balance here. It's Friday. My foot's on the gas pedal. Yes, I'm afraid we're breaking the, uh, the speed limit. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Reminder, this Sunday, brand new Life, Liberty, and Levin with really the fantastic governor of Florida. We're going to get into the uh, campaign, what's going on in Florida in terms of registration and what does he think is going to happen in the election for president in these congressional seats. And Ron DeSantis is very good at judging this is really fantastic dealing with the coronavirus, his balance of liberty and health, security. And speaking of that, law and order. Florida is the third largest state in population. You haven't heard about all these riots and so forth because he called in the National Guard almost immediately, and he'll discuss that with me too. So this is Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. I want to strongly encourage you to watch it or at least DVR it so you can watch it later. Because Ron DeSantis is a rising star. He's a big Trump supporter, too. That's Sunday. Tomorrow, Saturday, uh, Fox is going to rerun my uh, interview with the President of the United States from September 17th, where he's not interrupted, where he actually gets to speak. And again, enormously impressive. 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll be able to watch that on Saturday. And right now, right now, this minute, I hope you'll go to Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Parlor. Take the link to my interview with the president in the first hour. Not because it's my link, because it's what he says that matters. And this is how you can affect a campaign and affect the outcome. Spread it everywhere. Look at your email list. Look at your text list. Friends, people who are on the fence, spread it everywhere, all throughout social media, all throughout emails, and all throughout texts. We can get around CNN and MSNBC. We can get around, you know, these uh, debate commission and moderators and so forth. We can get around all of these people just by dealing with them directly. We can use the tools that they use to try and destroy the country, social media, to try and save the country. Think of it that way. And I think that's very, very important. We can do this. It's not hard. All right, here. If my hand would stop shaking, I'll get this done. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. I'm looking. I want to tell you a couple of articles here. And this is really for the New York Slimes, the uh, the fraud, the woman who is writing a story on. She's very concerned, you know. The experts say this talk about a coup, this talk about Trump and so forth, and the military and so forth, it, it could cause violence. Well, I didn't start it. So let me help do a little research for it. And we posted these on the social sites. Reuters. Biden says military would help oust Trump if he loses election but refuses to leave. Remember that one, Mr. Producer? Oh, yeah. New York Post. Bill Clinton. Trump will be stacking sandbags to stay in the White House. Oh, Politico, Hillary Clinton to Biden. Don't concede if the election is close. Oh, Al Gore suggests military will remove Trump from office if he won't concede on election night. That's Fox News. 
We also had in an entity called Defense One an open letter to General Miley, the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, by two senior military officials telling him to be prepared to remove Trump from office if he won't leave. And so the New York Times, with all these articles that have already been out there, hasn't written a story about that. The New York Times did not write a story about that. Why? And so I react, Bongino reacts, others react, by substituting, well, what are we going to do if Joe Biden doesn't leave? I guess we'll call in the military. Oh, look at this. Levin, Bongino, others. Look at this. They're calling for violence. That's just how sickening these bastards are. But I don't need lectures to quote the great Kamala Harris uh, from a newspaper that chose to conceal the Holocaust and a newspaper that chose to conceal the genocide by Stalin against Ukrainians and the newspaper that just keeps hiring anti-Semites. I, I don't need lectures from the New York Slimes and I won't accept them. This from The Blaze, which is a real news site, Theblaze.com slash news. Majority of voters say they're better off under Trump after four years, higher than Obama in his re-election year. Now, I want you to think about this. With the coronavirus and the effects on the economy, still a majority of the voters say they're better off under Trump after four years. A higher number of them say that than after Obama. Isn't that remarkable? You wouldn't know it. If you watch the news... You wouldn't know it. Now they're getting nervous about the mail-in ballot rejection rate. This is in the Hill newspaper. In the 2000, in the 2020, excuse me, in the 2020 general election, more Americans will vote by mail than ever before. Wow, you think? Some states, such as California, have mailed so-called unsolicited ballots to all registered voters. Meanwhile... Many others have expanded absentee ballot eligibility requirements. Okay. One way or another, millions of Americans will vote via mail this fall, which could create a nightmare scenario in which the election outcome could be in flux weeks after the election. Mr. Producer, have we not been saying this for months? On radio, on Levin TV, on my Fox show? We were the first one out of the gate to talk about this. And we talked about it a lot. And we brought you the evidence. And now this guy says, you know, this could be a problem. The president's been talking about it over and over again. There are many reasons why mail-in ballots are unreliable. One of the most significant is the mail-in ballots are often rejected. Wow. Really? In New York, which used mail-in ballots during its primary elections this spring, 21% of ballots were rejected because of errors. We mentioned that. In Pennsylvania, the same scenario played out with more than 20% of mail-in ballots rejected due to voter error. We mentioned that. According to a national pubic radio analysis, really? An extraordinarily high number of ballots, more than 550,000, have been rejected this year's presidential primaries. We mentioned that. That's far more than the 318,728 ballots rejected in the 2016 general election and has raised alarms about what might happen in November when tens of millions of voters, tens of millions of more voters, are expected to cast their ballots by mail, many for the first time. The president has been saying this over and over again. 
Making matters more ominous, National Pubic Radio reports that these figures are likely an underestimate because many states have not yet reported the rejection numbers for the primary elections. Unbeknownst to many, mail-in voting is not as simple as it sounds. Well, somebody needs to wake up Eva Pelosi. Each state has different rules when it comes to casting mail-in ballots. Some require multiple witnesses. Others require the ballot be notarized. For many voters, adhering to the labyrinth of instructions that accompany a mail-in ballot is just too difficult. And he goes on. In other words, even if a ballot is accepted initially, it can be rejected later for a host of reasons. For instance, in 2016, four states were decided by less than a percentage point. In 2020, with massive mail-in voting, any state that's not a a landslide for either candidate will likely be called into question due to mail-in voting. The president keeps saying he's concerned about the chaos that's going to result from this. The Democrats and their media friends keep saying, well, if he doesn't leave the White House, we may send in the military. This is so predictable. It's so obvious. Here's the problem. There have been millions of early votes. I think I heard the number 4 million from Kamala Harris, but she's not reliable. But let's play along. I read somewhere that 70% of these votes have been cast by Democrats. 70%. Now they're worried. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are our people too stupid to do this? We do have a big percentage of stupid people in our party who listen to all the stupid things we say and actually believe them. Did they know to sign the ballot? Did they know to put it back in the right envelope? Did they know to put this? Did they know to do that? Oh, my goodness. We don't know. To put the right postage on it. I mean, again, we're dealing with our stupid base. I, I, I don't know. 70%. And, and if we have 5 10 20% problem, then what? Then we go to the courts, you see. Then we sue. And then we send, we, we, we send in our, our lawyers. So the Democrats have stirred all this up with the help of the media. This is a recipe for disaster, they write, with a massive onslaught of mail-in ballots that will overwhelm local elected officials, officials on election day and beyond. Simply counting unrejected ballots will be a tall task. The legal battle will ensue. Imagine a scenario in which we have no clear winner on or shortly after election day due to a myriad of lawsuits challenging rejected and unrejected mail-in ballots. Hey, idiot, I think I've been saying that over and over and over again. Imagine it. In 2000, it took more than a month, 36 days actually, before the Supreme Court finally declared the winner of one disputed state, Florida, by a 5-4 to four ruling in Bush versus Gore. And by the way, who shot the first bullet there and went to court? Gore. He cherry-picked the most left-wing counties in South Florida because he wanted to, uh, to litigate his way into the presidency. First time in American history. In 2020, we had... More than a score of states with disputed returns that would have to be decided ultimately by the Supreme Court. Actually, ultimately, it would be decided by the House of Representatives. And so we've talked about this scenario. Others have now picked up on it and figured it out, including Eva Pelosi. In the state legislatures, they have the final say under Article 2 of the Constitution. So far, most of the federal appellate courts have gotten this right. And the Supreme Court got it right in one challenge that that reached the court. Courts cannot change the election laws, state or federal courts. 
for the choosing ultimately of electors. The state legislatures have spoken. If the Democrat Party chooses to push mail-in voting, then it must comply with the state requirements. And they're pushing mail-in voting, count every vote, even illegitimate votes and illegal votes and fraudulent votes. And the problem is the statutes don't permit it. And so when you have courts stepping in and say, you know, you can count it for two weeks after the election or three days after the election, or it doesn't have to be postmarked, or we don't need a signature, or the signature doesn't have to match. These Democrats in these courts are trying to change the Constitution. And why not? Right? They want to get rid of the Supreme Court. They're trying to change the Constitution, change Article 2, and they want to have the final say, not the state legislatures. So we had a decision today in circuit court about Wisconsin. And what the court said is, no, the law says you are to count the ballots on Election Day. Not after Election Day, not way after Election Day, on Election Day. And we're not changing it. And it's very wise of these courts to do it, because otherwise they're going to contribute to a national disaster. And I want you to remember, of all the politicians in the country, of all the elected officials in the country, the President of the United States has been warning and warning and warning about what a disaster this is going to be. Now you're starting to see some of the concerns for the Democrats. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let's see if this is... I'm in the uh, the Florida bunker, <clears throat> and things have gotten a little screwy here. Unfortunately, we lost the president for a couple of minutes there, but we got him back. Uh, and I'm having a little trouble with my call screen. Mr. Bidusser, it falls on your shoulders to pick the finest of the callers. To whom shall I speak? Greg in Iowa on the Mark Levin app. Go. How are you? All right. God bless you, Mark, and thanks for, Thank the, you. For, the, for the discussion with our president. Thank you, Greg. 94 years old. I remember you. Yes, sir. Educated. How are you? I'm doing fine, and I'm holding, I'm holding up, I hope, until we see that the country can be returned to its appropriate path. 
Yeah. Uh, you're going to hold out a long time, I can tell. Oh, I hope so. You know, we're in the charge of atheists, anarchists, and evil people who are, are trying to push this socialistic attitude, which is, a, is actually com- communism. Put, it is. Put it down our throats. Uh, by the simple analysis of the rules of what constitutes uh, concern and rules for radicals, I recommend that we all read the 200 pages of the book Saul Alinsky wrote. In it, he says that the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment, that is probably our Lord God, and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, was Lucifer. And he says that, by the way, right up front in the book, right up front. Right up front. And he gives reason why we have this anti-American nationalism, anti-constitutional, anti-lawful attitudes. There's a virtual contest going on in the, the process of these anarchists, who are raging in the fields of, of mm-hmm. anarchy, uh, the fields being footballed on media, when in the world are we going to prosecute these lawless acts, these sanctuary cities, these riots? You it, 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 let me tell you, they have, they've got these leftists and these prosecuted jobs. Uh, and uh, Portland rioters, 70% of the rioters have been released. Did you know that, Greg? Where's Greg, Rich? Are you there, Greg? We lost Greg. Sorry, Greg hung up. Trust me, I would never hang up on Greg. He's a good man. And Greg, if you hear me out there, give me a call on Monday, okay? I don't know what happened there. My God. The ghosts are here. They're all over in Florida in my studio. When we come back, a big guest. Somebody going to want to hear from. I'll see you in a minute. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. One of our goals here, ladies and gentlemen, well, is to remove Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, for the sake of the republic and the sake of dinner so we can keep our food down. 
Uh, we have an excellent candidate running, Pat Fallon, in Texas, in the 4th Congressional District. Pat, how are you? Mark, it's always a spectacular day when you're in the presence of the Great One. Wow. That's very kind of you. <laughs> Boy, you know how to kiss. You kiss babies, too, I'm guessing. I don't know. Well, Pat, that's very, very kind of you. Pat, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Mark, thanks for having me on. I was, uh, I'm the son of retired school teachers, and my folks taught me and my sisters to value two things, really, you know, of an education and a strong work ethic. Instead of whining about things you want, work for it. I went to the University of Notre Dame, had an ROTC scholarship. Uh, I happened to play football for Coach Lou Holtz, who's also a great conservative. We won the national championship my junior year, so I clearly have good timing. And then I uh, went to the Air Force for four years. It brought me down to Texas, served for four years honorably, and then started a decades-long entrepreneurial career. Then in 08, when Obama won and wanted to fundamentally change America, I had to do something. I wanted to do my part. I ended up running for city council, then serving in the state house for six years, and then in the state senate, and now running for Congress. Now, tell us about this district. It's a great district full of great Americans. It's 18 counties just to the slight north and to the east of Dallas. And so it starts out in Grayson and Collin counties, goes all the way to Texarkana and the Arkansas and Louisiana border. Very conservative folks want less government and more liberty. So you would love it. You should come down to the 4th Congressional District anytime. You're beloved down here, Mark. Let me tell you something, Pat. I remember when that was sort of a yellow dog district many, many decades ago. Uh, what kind of a district is it now? Is it, is it Republican, uh, marginal? Very, you know, it's very conservative. Um, the, the thing is, this district's pretty special. It was Sam Rayburn uh, represented it. And then oh, Roberts, right. And then Ralph Hall, who was a Democrat, and then, of course, switched uh, at the end. But he did vote to impeach Clinton. So even as a Democrat, that was a good thing. And then John Ratcliffe, as you know, had just done such a spectacular job in the last five years. But I do have a liberal running. I have a libertarian running. I got a write-in candidate. And I was nominated in an odd way because John had already been nominated for the, for the, during the primary. So when he got selected to be the DNI, the party itself had to select the person. So it was only 154 precinct chairs and county chairs that determined out of 22 candidates who the nominee would be to replace John. Tell us about your opponent. Um, don't know much about him other than he's a garden variety liberal. Uh, he thinks goods and services, like most of them do, fall from the sky and they're made by leprechauns and, I don't know, unicorns and mermaids. Uh, his, <laughs> his platform should be called, like, the less liberty liberal. He opposes school choice. He supports net neutrality. He wants more regulation in the banking industry as if they're not regulated enough. He wants paid leave for both parents. And get this, he magically wants to make education cost less, mm. but he wants to increase teacher pay. So I don't know how you do both those things. Unless, of course, you just go to Nancy Pelosi and she just prints you more money and then devalues it and defeats the whole purpose in the first place. You just lie. That's what you do. Well, um, Pat, Pat Fallon, let me ask you this. Um, in terms of raising money and so forth, how does it look for you and for him? Do you know? Yeah, no, Mark, we need all the help we can get because I have to brand, you know, um, because I was just nominated. I, I replaced John on the ballot as of August. So if people go to FallonForCongress.com, we'd really appreciate any help. We're going to run some TV. We have to. Um, but that also helps President Trump. President Trump right now is in a tight race in Texas. And anybody down ballot that's supporting and uh, our TV commercial will feature um, some clips of President Trump as well. And we don't have – we ended straight ticket uh, voting in Texas. This will be the first election that that's – you have to actually, you know, peck all the way down. And we want to make sure that people not only vote for President Trump and John Cornyn for Senate, but they have to go all the way down the ballot because our state house is in peril, and that's just before redistricting. And so the Democrats and Eric Holt Wait, 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 wait. Your state house is in trouble? 
Yeah, when I was serving, it was 95 Republicans and 55 Democrats. It's now 83-67, so if they flip nine seats, Democrats will be in charge of redistricting, which will be a disaster. We'll never, what what, we what is going the, on? People moving in from outside the state? Yeah, you know, and we have to do a better job of messaging. You know, my wife says we're up against a cult of personality. We have no personalities. <clears throat> we, we have to be fierce, like Ted Cruz, like you. Uh, we have to be likable. We have to be smart. We have to get out there. The best thing that I'm, the most, the thing I'm most proud of is I knocked more doors after I won an election than before. Because it's the best way to put your hand on the pulse of the district that you want to represent. And have in-person town halls. I've had 40 in the last two years. You listen to your constituents. Then they know they care about you. You care about them. And you do that with your actions, not your words. And more Republicans in Texas need to do that. But, yeah, we got people moving in. And the, the biggest thing is this, and I hope people across the country get this. It's not enough for you to be conservative. You have to ensure that your children are conservative. And you need to give them the systematic liberal, the systematic liberal vaccine before they go off to university. Mm-hmm. And even then, sometimes it doesn't work, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, Social media is playing with their heads. The culture, media, it, it, it's very tough. You have to be very resolute. You've got to do the very best you can and stay engaged, you know? Oh, yeah, we get clobbered. And, like, you know, I won the Senate seat that I represent. I represent a million people right now in 14 counties, and only two of them overlap with the 18. So right now, roughly kind of working in 30 counties. But we won by 50 percentage points in that Senate district in Texas, 75-25. But in the, there's a few colleges in a city of Denton, I lost those couple of precincts by 3,000 mm-hmm. votes. 85% of the vote went Democratic. And that's amazing. That's for the future. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. I guess that's why Bernie Sanders wants free college, so everybody can, can have their, uh, their brains washed like that. So if people want to help, folks, it's FallonForCongress.com, F-A-L-L-O-N for Congress.com. This is another seat that we have to have if we're going to remove Nancy Pelosi. Pat Fallon is Fallon for Congress.com, F-A-L-L-O-N for Congress.com. If you live in his district, I'm sure he can use volunteers. But nationwide, all of these members are important to us because we need to flip the House and we need to make sure our country is protected. Pat Fallon, I want to thank you, my friend. No, amen. And Mark, look, you know, I want to let everybody know one thing, that they can put their heads and have solace that I get elected. When AOC takes those crazy and terrible votes... I'm going to cancel it out every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to tell everybody something else. You're a really good guy. My wife and I met you. You're a character. You're a really good guy. You're funny. You're smart. And you're motivated. And I want to thank you. Glad you're running for this seat. Julie made it all the way to the top of the mountain on the hike with Heidi Cruz. It was yeah, only- but you didn't, did you? No, I did. Me, Heidi, and, uh, and Julie were the only three that made it. Yeah, but you were huffing and puffing. Julie never huffs and puffs. <laughs> she I was huffing and puffing. Julie was <laughs> fine. She could have gone up another mountain. Yeah, she's a marathon runner, so we don't talk about that. No, no, no. All right, my, and the reason we don't is because I'm not, You know what we have on the back of our car, Pat? We have one of those, uh, whatever it is, 21.3 miles or whatever. The, I forget what it is for a marathon runner. And then on the other side, we have one of the 0.0. That's me. I'm the 0.0. She runs more than I drive. Well, All right, I brother. thought the 0.0 represented Nancy Pelosi's IQ, but be that. You know what? You're right. I made a mistake. <laughs> all right, brother. Well, God bless. We wish you all the best. You're terrific. God bless you, Mark. The great one. Thank you. This was a thrill. I appreciate it. You bet. This guy's good. You can tell he's good. It's Pat Fallon, and it's FallonForCongress.com, F-A-L-L-O-N. 
for Congress.com. We met this gentleman in Colorado, and he is absolutely terrific. Well, Mr. Producer, my call screen has fallen out. Do we have a caller? Yes. Yes, Margo in California. That's a big state. Where in California? Do we know? Palm Springs, California. That's a beautiful area. How are you, Margo? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Um, I have a thought um, yes. regarding Pelosi and the 20. Are you wearing a mask, Amendment. by the way? Are you wearing a mask right now? Not, no, not at the moment. I'm in ho- at home alone. Home alone. You're not wearing a mask. You know how you tell a Biden voter? No, sir, I do not. When they're in the car driving by themselves and they're wearing a mask, <laughs> then you know they're a Biden voter. Go right ahead. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about this, but I want to share this with you. Uh, in 2016, there were um, Hillary Clinton signs on practically every yard. So far in my neighborhood, I've only seen one Biden um, sign mm-hmm. in the yard. Mm-hmm. And there were bumper stickers on everybody's car, Hillary, 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 Biden, Few and far between bumper stickers. Interesting. Well, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not buying a lot of bumper stickers. The campaign. Uh, oh, I don't know. I can't explain it. But mm-hmm. um, what I originally called about was. I do believe they're buying a lot of masks, though. Go right ahead. Um, and the twenty-fifth amendment is. My thinking is, in one clip that I saw. She indicated that it wasn't for the president now, but for the future, which triggered something in my brain to think that it's their position to get that into law so that they can remove Biden. Do you know the president said exactly the same thing in the first hour? So you're thinking exactly the way his. I have a different thought. You know what I think? No, sir. I think in case they think in case this president wins a second term, they will try and use it against him. But it still won't work because there is no law that creates this body. Now, I want to give you a little history, the whole country, a little history lesson about the 25th Amendment, because we're surrounded by ignoramuses. And it is this. That part of that provision on Section 4 that talks about setting up this body um, was intended in case we're at war or Congress couldn't meet or the cabinet couldn't meet. So you set up a body that can act. It was not intended to set up a body so clowns like Nancy Pelosi can handpick phony experts to go on this uh, in addition to um, the the vice president and the heads of departments making a a majority deciding on whether or not the president is capable of uh, performing his duties. So that was really set up as a condition in case Congress couldn't meet, in case we were at war, in case the uh, vice president couldn't do anything, they, they, wanted, they wanted an option. So it had nothing to do with what they're trying to do now. And, and keep something in mind. You have to pass a law to create what they want to create. Well, they're not going to get a law. So this is all a fan dance. That's all it is. The media keep pushing it because it's negative about Trump. And she's a disgrace. People are hungry. People need jobs. People need relief. Small businesses are going under. She's blackmailing this country. She is a gun to the head of the economy unless she gets all this money for her Democrats to bail out the uh, pension funds. Thank you for your call, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, let's go to Jesse, Fort Worth, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Yes, uh, he told me to be quick, as I told you, call screener. I, I don't see how Biden keep lying like he does. I mean, he's saying that, it's, that, he, that uh, Trump is violating people's constitution because four million people have already voted and everything. If they don't vote it early, they see men who they don't vote for anyway. He can't change it. Mm-hmm. And as far as him, because he's going to put that justice in there, not like he's violating the Constitution of people that already voted. They chose to vote early. And, must, and like me, I'm voting early because I know where I'm going to vote. But this man cannot talk unless he lies. He cannot talk unless But he you lies. make a great point. If people decide to vote early, that's their problem or that's their credit. They can do whatever they want. But they're also going to need to know that things are going to happen in the 60 days or the 30 days since they voted. That may affect their thinking, but that's not Donald Trump's problem. Donald Trump's following the Constitution. That's your point. That's it. And you're not voting for Biden, I guess. Who? Man, you, you're not. You're... I'm a 40-year retired truck driver. And the first time I ever voted was for Ronald Reagan. And I've really? been Republican ever since. I never could vote for a Democrat because it's like they say. You know, Democrat, they'll bring you your fish and put it in the front door. A Republican going to bring you a pole and show you where the lake is. Jesse, you got to call again, man. I like you. Call again, okay? Great one, man. I'm kind of nervous. (laughs) Don't be nervous. You're great. Call me again, please. We've got great callers tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, just for you.
Don't forget, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, the President of the United States, we rerun his wonderful interview. Sunday, brand new show, The Governor of Florida. He's terrific, Ron DeSantis. Well, folks, the week is officially over. The weekend begins right now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Thank you. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Gigi. And good night, my little baby, Barney. And good night, Dad, good night, Mom, and good night, Leo. America, this weekend, do your thing now. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.